Hello, and welcome to the Wired Biohealth Podcast. My name is Jacqueline Hall, and I am joined by your show's host, Dr. Evelyn Higgins. Hey, Jackie. Good to see you, Doc. Happy to be back for another week. Absolutely. So really looking forward to today's guest, um, Mike Cooper. He is not just an Army veteran, but he's somebody with lived experience in recovery. So I think the perspective that he brings is so unique because not only does he define himself as a person in long-term recovery, but now he's also working with individuals as a peer support specialist, as well as a certified alcohol and drug counselor. So he's gone above and beyond saying, this is what works for me, but now I want to be able to help others get to their goals. Right, right. And that's so important to have somebody with that lived experience sharing and knowing where you are in your journey. Yeah. So without further ado, Mike Cooper, pleasure to be with you. Absolute pleasure, Jacqueline. Doctor, it's nice to meet you as well. Very happy to be here. It's an honor. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for taking the time. This is important stuff. Your work is important. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of what led you to where you are today. Absolutely. Um, Well, as as you and I, Jacqueline, have talked about numerous times uh, in the past, uh, I come from uh, a background that has been plagued by uh, uncertainty of how to cope with addiction. Um, I started battling addiction at a very young age, uh, at about 18 years old. And over the course of 20 years, that battle took me through extreme tumultuous times. I was fortunate enough to to be able to join the military um, in 2001. But um, my career was always hindered by the addiction that I tried to keep under wraps, so to speak, uh, to be able to do what I could do to serve my country. However, I never excelled uh, as far as I could have gone. And I like, and it's something that in hindsight, I will always have to live with. But um, it, the years after uh, I exited the military um, were, were very, very uncertain for me. I, I obviously my, um, there was a lot of uh, questions that I could not answer because I did not know I did not know what was available to me other than what had been presented in the past, which is a very limited uh, window of what recovery looked like. And unfortunately, those those options were not very effective for me. So I spent a long time on a downward spiral, uh, which which affected me very negatively. I lost a lot of opportunities, uh, was incarcerated for for alcohol related incidents. And 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 it was it was a very, very dark time for me. so about six and a half years ago now, I finally made the decision for myself that I, I this was not the life I wanted to live. And I did not want to spend uh, what years I had left struggling to 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 make peace with this with this addiction. So I reached out to the Veteran Crisis Center um, and called the hotline and I was I was taken into the, the VA in West uh, Haven, Connecticut. And there I was introduced to a program called Smart Recovery. And I had never heard of that program before. And what I what I enjoyed about it immediately was the, the ability that that program gave me to choose my own recovery path. And that was something that had never been presented to me before. Uh, because I had never I had never been presented with the uh option of recovery being based off of scientific or evidence-based principles. Uh, Before being introduced to smart recovery, every modality that was presented to me had something to do with either a moralistic aspect or spiritual aspect and um, or something that was taken upon with with personal faith. These were concepts, especially for an individual like myself with a military background, then with an unfortunate background with uh, dealing with uh, incarceration and 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 a lot of negative 
uh, aspects of society I did not have a lot of. I did not have a lot of faith in myself or others. I did not have a lot of trust in a lot of things. And and being presented with um, platforms that said you you need these to succeed in recovery were obviously not uh, a very good fit for me. So evidence-based recovery really uh, filled that gap for me to have something tangible, something that I could I could start to look into the why my addiction existed in the first place. And that was that was something I had never explored before. And believe it or not, it it was it was like a door opened and, and a light was was presented to me. And I was I was able to actually finally get into a lot of the core around why my addiction existed in the first place. And I I discovered a lot of, of unresolved uh, trauma that had happened in my life, a lot of incidents that I had never addressed that would that led towards my abusive uh, addictive behavior and from there i began to truly heal and i knew immediately what i wanted to do with the rest of my life because i knew there were there were so many other people like me in in recovery that were struggling to find that answer other than what was being presented for them so smart recovery gave me that ability um early on in my recovery career to do that. I was I was awarded the, the prestigious position of being their outreach director for a number of years. And it was a position I held with great honor. And through that, I actually got to meet you, Jacqueline, <laughs> and then was introduced to Wired for Addiction and, and was exposed to even more of that that um uh opportunity to see what the biopsychosocial model can do. Uh, for individuals in recovery who are struggling with singular modalities. And so I began that crusade through uh, with outreach to teach people about the different options of recovery, especially what was presented with scientific and evidence-based models. And I did it in areas that were really resistant or not, um, you know, not, uh, or let's just say reluctant to take that kind of information, places that originally were based off of faith-based modalities or based off of, of the impression that this was not an illness, this was not a medical crisis, it was a moralistic failing or it was a societal failing or it was an, a, a cultural failing. So um, I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed the challenge of, of, of saying, well, it's not not that that was wrong, but the, there are other options available. Like any other medical crisis, we present options for treatment. And I was under the impression that recovery should be no different. Recovery should be looked at as a medical crisis and to be approached with as many different options for that individual to heal as possible. And that's what's brought me here today. So now I, I've wanted nothing more to excel my career, learn more than what I could do. I just was, I just finished um, receiving my um, accreditation as a, a drug and alcohol counselor here in North Carolina. I'm very proud of that. I've been a peer supporter since uh, 2018. So I'm, I'm, I'm always boots on the ground. And that's something that I'm very proud of, not just for the veteran and first responder or BIPOC communities, which I excel in, in servicing, but for everyone who's looking for uh, new answers in recovery. So that's, that's my elevator spiel. That's who I am. <laughs> that's, that's what, uh, that's what brings me here today. So yeah, very, very, very proud of what I'm doing now. Very proud to be here. And and thank you both for this opportunity to, to speak about this on Absolutely. your podcast. Yeah, of course. And I love that you talk about evidence-based programs because so often, it's just evidence that it's worked for someone else. Right. But there haven't been objective labs to show it's what you need as well. Right. And you bring up a great point, Mike, in talking about, you know, not a moral flaw. And here we are with this health crisis, you know, e even within healthcare, 
it was still viewed with a stigma. People say, no, no, it's not. But the reality is it is, or else we would have moved technology to embrace this area of healthcare. And we didn't. And that's actually why we wound up doing what we do, because I'm saying that, you know, we're still operating as if it's 1950, 1970, right? Let's, yeah, here's what you need to do. And, and there's so much more technology has advanced yet. We didn't use that technology to advance where we are within addiction and mental health. I could not agree with both of you more. And and Jacqueline knows this. We met about a little over a year ago now. It's it's I can't believe it's been that long. And um, but it's uh one of the things that literally like blew me away about Wired for Addiction was that it began it, it you all are starting to conquer that threshold, you know, and you're you're beginning to open the doors to modern uh medical uh communities about what we can do with science in recovery, you know, identifying those biomarkers that can lead towards different um, destructive or addictive behaviors, recognizing those patterns and how, and most importantly, how to treat them and what you're right. And what's effective for those treatments. And this is like you said, doctor, you know, uh, when we began, you know, the, in the infancy phases of, of dealing with addiction, we, we were fumbling in the dark with a lot of the treatments that were developed. And eventually, yes, there were some great programs that came about. Like a lot of what we do is owed to, you know, the 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 success that programs like 12 Step have seen since the 1930s and 40s. But we've evolved since then, right? right. And society's evolved since then. And and our beliefs and our culture has evolved since then. So there's not saying that that is no longer effective, but there are so many different variables now. Right. That we can that we can address through science, through the technology that we have available, that I believe that the medical medical community, I mean, you said was, I would dare to say still is mm-hmm. very skeptical and very stigmatized against utilizing because we've almost gotten into that 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 mentality that if it's not broke, don't fix it with recovery. And I, I think it's been broken for a while. Yeah. Um, because of, I mean, just look at the overdose rates that we're dealing with with the opioid crisis. I mean, and before that, you know, it was the crack cocaine crisis, and we can keep going back and back and back. You know, and with morphine in the eighteen and nineteen hundreds with with soldiers in society. I mean, we could we could list it on and on and on. And I think now with what's being developed, especially with pioneers like Wired for Addiction, I think now we can start shedding a light on not only is this effective, but there is proof to that effectiveness. There's evidence towards it. There's data towards it. And and that's what I really, really enjoy about learning, especially about what you're doing there in Florida and Wire for Addiction is because it's so, so relevant to what is needed, uh, I think, right now, especially with this crisis reaching the pinnacles of, of, of what it is now with the with the death tolls and the, the overdose rates and what we're dealing with with fentanyl and the crises of these things. I, I don't think it couldn't it couldn't be needed more. Right. I don't, in my opinion, really. And, and Mike, you even bring up a great point where you're saying that you started unraveling your own traumas. And as what we talk about is that traumas actually have a physiological impact in one's body. But if oh. we just want to make it a conversation to say, let's let the cat out of the bag, let's talk about the trauma, we have to do that. But then we have to look at how has that changed one's physiology? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I look back at what the things that that I have dealt with in my past and not to get into, you know, we don't have that kind of time on this show. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Just saying. I <laughs> took me a long time to learn how to wear this smile, but I mean, <laughs> it's, um, but certain I, I can, I can relate in, in a, in a lived experience aspect of how certain 
um, thoughts or certain uh, triggers or certain aspects that I may deal with even in my my time period today that may bring me back to those those uh, days of when I've experienced those traumatic events can cause physical um, consequences for me now, right? And and those physical consequences, especially with someone living with a with uh, an addiction disorder, can lead to very very detrimental uh, decisions to be made to move to try to alleviate those 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 feelings right and and i know many people so not just to the people i counsel but other people in recovery my colleagues that i've worked with in the past that have made those those, those unfortunate choices and and returned to harmful behavior because they were not equipped to deal with the trauma that was attached to their addiction and and because it was never addressed in the past right. too many times people in recovery we 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 fixate on the what of mm -hmm. the addiction, right? We fixate on the addiction itself, on what it, what's the drug, what's the bad behavior. Oh, well, if you just cut that out, you'll be fine. But where where did it come from, right? Exactly. Why is it there? Exactly. And, and that's and that's what the science I even in 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 my layman experience have seen to be so effective because not only does it identify these things, but for those skeptics who may not believe it, you have proof to show that yes, this does work. Right. And I yeah. Absolutely. And and even to your point, Mike, about, um, okay, so just stop whatever it is. Let's say it's alcohol. Just stop the alcohol. Well, you're going to swap because we still haven't addressed that unique physiology that's yours and yours alone. Yeah. Right, right. And and doctor, I mean, again, to, to, to utilize myself as a personal example, one of the reasons why other recover, re recovery patterns were, um, excuse me, recovery modalities were not effective for me. Because I would enjoy periods of abstinence by just quote unquote stopping, right? I would I would cut everything off. I would cut off the people I know. I would cut off all social activities that I used to do. I'd change jobs. I'd move away and 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 stop, right? And attend meetings and still do what I'm supposed to quote unquote do. But because I never addressed what was internal in my in my psychological um, struggle between the traumas that I hadn't even identified at that point. I had no idea why I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And in, in, in contrast, I was feeling even more frustrated because I'm like, I'm doing everything that they're telling me to do, yet I don't feel better. Right. 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 And, and you know, and I couldn't, and I when I asked people, well, why don't I feel better? Well, you must be doing something wrong, right? Was the answer <laughs> I used to get. It was always on the fault of the recovery. And and I think how many people we're left on the wayside now that I look back at those years when they were told something like that and they just gave up because they thought it was their fault. When right. something like a scientific-based model or a, a, a biomarker program like you all have could have identified, well, no, it's not your fault. This is why this is happening. And right. we can treat that. And I, I yeah, absolutely. Right. I could not agree more. What that does to someone's psyche emotionally you're just like this is me i must really want to be this way forget it you know why bother right right yeah. and yeah we have we have a, a less uh less dignified phrase in recovery that we say that we we suffer from when we get to that phase and i'm not going to say it on this as a family <laughs> show but um yeah you get in that mentality that what am i bothering right, right? right. And, but because you don't because we don't these individuals that are are in that mindset are not giving all the information you're not given the facts right it's all it's all 
you know, speculation. It's all it's all subjective. You're, we're not given that the, these things can be done through rational scientific means to identify the why. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's the need now that the medical community really needs to push, especially in the media. Because I know, I mean, I don't have to tell either one of you that, you know, the media does not do a very good job, even to this day, portraying, you know, the 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 crisis, which is the addiction in this country. It's still labeled as this dark, sinister thing mm -hmm. that is attacking our society. And in, and in fact, it's this is one of the reasons why that we have the stigmas are so hard to get away from, because, you know, to the layman who's watching you know, the evening news and the opioid crisis and all oh, the addiction rate and all oh, the deaths, you know, it's so dark and it's so dismal and it's so negative rather than uh, new science has been created to identify markers in a person's, you know, physiological makeup right. that we can now treat. There's hope, right? And we don't see that enough. And, and I think the medical community could do a better job at portraying that story rather than the trauma and tragedy that we see every single day that we turn on the TV or turn on the radio. You nailed yeah. it. Yeah. It's that hope. It's how exciting is this? We can now isolate just like other families have cancers, just like other families have cardiac disease. This is what's in our family, but let's identify it and let's move on from it. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. what evidence-based allows us to do. That's what science of biomarkers allows us to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. And addiction truly is a disease, right? It's a biopsychosocial disease. And it can be a difficult sell to say that addiction is a disease when you focus on those psychological and social pieces. Right. But when you look at the definition of disease, it's any harmful normal deviation, um, either it be functional or the state of an organism. Right. So by very definition, biologically, addiction is a disease. Right. So if we can focus more on that and Mike, exactly what you said, make the medical community a bigger part of the conversation rather than sens sensationalizing the problem, right. let's make it more of a solutions-based model. Because although the opioid crisis does deserve visibility, alcoholism is still running rampant. People are still dying of even long-term implications, be it cirrhosis, liver disease, right. whatever the case. Right. There's been studies since COVID started that it's gone up by 800%. Right. So although opioid crisis, it's happening side by side, running parallel is still alcohol use disorder, ravaging individuals, communities, lives. Absolutely. So I think this conversation was so timely. And Mike, we really appreciate you coming on. I think you bring great perspective. You know, we love your personality. We love what you're doing up there in North Carolina. So keep up the good work. And I'm sure we'll have you back on for another episode. Thank you so much. It's, it's been an honor, guys. Thank you. Thank really. you, Mike. It's Thank you for your fun. past service to our nation. Thank you for your current service to our nation. Yeah. You know, really, seriously. <laughs> both, seriously. Both, both are my honor, Doctor. And it's great to meet you. Thank you so hey, much. Mike. Take care. Thanks, Mike. So if you like today's episode, you think this is something you may benefit from or a loved one might benefit from, visit our website. It's wiredbiohealth.com or you can shoot us an email, support at wiredbiohealth.com. Be sure to subscribe, like the YouTube, socials down at the bottom, and we'll see you next time. Great information, Jackie. Yep. See Thanks, you next guys. week. Bye-bye.